Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am delighted to be joined today by Dimity McDowell. How you doing? Woo-hoo! I am good. How are you? Oh, I am good. I am good. Although I have yet to shower today. Um... <laughs> me too. Me too. I was just telling you earlier, that why shower, right? I mean, it's it's overrated. Oh, I, <laughs> I had a, a six miles in uh, 50 degree rain. and um, Oh, brr. Okay. Yeah, my yeah. hands were not functioning. I was trying to text oh. somebody earlier and I'm like, oh, this is going to take a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just went to the, I did like half an hour on the um, bike and then I did like a half an hour strength circuit. So nice. my sweat was minimal. It wasn't minimal, but it wasn't, I wasn't drenched when I came home. Like my sports bra was not that wet. So I was okay. Oh yeah. No, my, um, my, my uh, clothes made a very heavy thunk at the bottom of the, of the laundry chute. Cause they were completely soaked. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah. Showers in order after this. Well, yeah. and I, I have to say that I am particularly excited because um, I'm sure you might, uh, probably listeners will not be able to relate to this, but we have had a project in uh going on in our house um uh-huh. it's laying dormant for about two years i mean oh. literally two years uh-huh. um which is putting up some some bookcases next to in our like tv room uh-huh. um i took out one bookcase um that we had a long time ago when i had a eureka moment when i realized it would fit inside the closet oh um it's like it was like a um like uh we call it the niner which it was because it had like nine like cubby holes in it you know what i'm uh-huh. saying it was like yeah. three across and three down yeah really original name I know and um and so the niner fit into the closet and this was like you know it was winter time and I was like so sick of like mittens and ha- we had no no shelving in there besides you know just a straight across bar uh-huh. so ah uh, anyway so I moved the bookcase from the tv room to the closet which is now in a lovely spot but then literally it's been two years and like I just had a pile of books on the floor <laughs> in one side and something you know and something else on the other and so finally, finally, a, a house project is getting done. Um, oh so that feels I, good. I'm envious of him. It's funny. So um, Jack, in his previous, one of his previous iterations, he was a contractor. And so he's quite a handy man. I mean, he finished this basement that I am sitting in. And, you know, it has, you know, I don't know, can lighting and plumbing and electricity and all this stuff. And so and yeah. Alex, Alex is looking around with a, some bit of awe on his face. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, so, but he redid our front porch, which was a such... I order. remember. Did, yeah. And I, did you ever, when you were out here, was it all torn up and there was basically like just some planks going from our front yep, steps? It, yeah. It was, yep. Yeah. It, was, it, yeah. it sat dormant for a yeah, while, yeah, right? So, oh, it sat dormant for so long. So anyway, so he, he went on a big, you know, I don't know when it was, but he got... I don't 85 90% of the way there except for the railing on the uh, south side of our front porch and so we just we've had this tarp there for at least a year if not two and so and it just irks me when I go out there and but his one of his um Jack coached John's soccer team and one of the other uh soccer coaches texted him a picture that the guy had you know I can write on pictures now you know kind of like sure. jerry them up and <laughs> And he took a picture. He must have been driving by. Took a picture of our the tarp over the front porch, and it said, um, "When the cobbler's children's ha- cobbler's children have no shoes." <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. his, his name is Guy, and I'm like, "Tell Guy, I love him." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I thought it might, it might have been the push to get him to go. Huh? Oh yeah, you'd think guilt would work, but you know, no, no, no shame no, doesn't no. work. Oh, please, I mean, the man has a packed gym bag that I can't tell you the last time he unzipped to actually go to the go to the the gym gym. hey it's ready it's ready (laughs) you know his his wife makes money being you know makes her living being active and you know god forbid he go to the gym (laughs) yeah i i hear you i hear you that's so funny that is awesome (laughs) so uh so yeah so people might hear some work work crew some work going on and then of course then i've got my dog right next to me mason because he's he's quiet now he won't bark because they've been coming and going but he's got this like antler bone thing that he chews on like (laughs) you know a nervous fingernail you know so (laughs) If you hear some gnawing going on, that's what that is. So just all kinds of, all kinds of noise coming from Denver today. Oh my goodness. But you have, uh, you just returned to Denver, Dim. You were out of the country even. I was, I was, I was immersed in quiet for a Mm. week, um, at this lovely place, um, called Rancho La Puerta. And, uh, it is, um, just South of the border. You fly into San Diego and then you take a bus and then you cross Mm. the border. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and it's about 10 minutes from there. 
And um, we went last year to celebrate my mom's 70th birthday. She treated my sisters and I. And um, she had been there once before with a friend and she wanted to do that, which was awesome. And I, you know, I was like, oh, this is the best week of my life. And <laughs> last week or last year um, on the last night, you know, we had such a good time together um, that she um, brought us back. She, wow. you know, she gave us the present of coming back again this year. So I just got back from that. Um, oh, it was it's a Saturday to a Saturday. So I got back mm-hmm. from that about five days ago. And um, yeah, I just... So if I never vacationed in another place in my life, it would probably be okay. Well, at least with my mom and my sisters, it's not really a family uh-huh. spot so much. But um, it is just a, it, it's everything I want in a vacation. It is uh, physical activity as much as you want. Yeah. It is quiet. Mm-hmm. It is not being in the car ever. Uh-huh. Um, walk. You walk everywhere. You walk um, on these lovely brick paths. Oh. Um, it is trail running. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it's, it's uh, just lovely scenery or hiking, what you want to do. There's swimming, there's Pilates, um, there's cooking classes. There's yoga, there's... like in kind of these cocoon like things that aerials. Hang... Yes. Aerial. Aerials. Oh my goodness. That yeah. Looks... They weren't ready to go. Unfortunately, when we went there, but yeah, they're on their Instagram page. Um, and Sarah, you'll be very excited. Um, good old Minnesota modest girl got a little bit, I, 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 came out of my cocoon a little bit and took a striptease class um, which was with this uh manuel is his name um who is this awesome awesome dancer i mean Ooh. so but my sister they took that all they all took it last year so and it's the same routine so they were all like pros at it um but i i took it and be careful um, how we use the word pro in this context yeah exactly <laughs> they were they were. um but it was just it's just he they he was you know like he he could be Madonna's backup dancer. I mean, he's that. Wow. Or, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that kind of. But it, excuse me, it is a level of quality that I cannot even you know. And just like the the fluidity mm-hmm. in his body and his ability to like make up steps on the move, where you're just like. Meanwhile, I'm like you know left. Oh, hey, left that left. Okay, <laughs> you know, I'm like I'm eight steps behind them already. So um, I want I want yeah. vid- I want video of you doing this. Today. I do have a picture of it. Actually, the picture should probably be the picture for the podcast because oh, it is. Oh, I oh I know that. Um, well, actually, our guest deserves a spotlight, but it is a funny picture. Um, because, <laughs> no doubt it's funny. Yeah, because <laughs> the three of us, the three of us, he's like, okay, you guys pose, and then I'll get in. So it was actually four of us. My mom too. So. And um, so the four of us, and then he gets in and like does this like you know like come to me baby kind of look, and I'm just like, and the rest of us just look like awkward mannequins behind him. So. Oh, fantastic, fantastic! And um, you tell me there is one of the first things you said to me when you got back is they want us to do a running retreat there. Oh, I want to do a well. I, that's all I could think about when I was there, and so they are um, shifting a little. Like the week before. We were there. They so they have guest speakers come in every week. Everybody from like you know we had um, oh like nutritionists and um, doctors and uh, you know everything mm-hmm. healing people you know all anything you can think of that is kind of a wellness application. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the week before there was a trail running group there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so I ended up having dinner. So you go you can have a dinner. You go learn how to make. A, it's a cooking class that you sign Ooh, up for. Fun. And um, I mean, you, Sarah, you would die. Oh, you yeah. would die. You go walk around this amazing, amazing garden. garden I was about oh. to say, and I'm not even impressed by gardens, and I was amazed. <laughs> they, have pomeg- they have pomegranate trees there. Um, they have everything. And um, so you go pick. Unfortunately, it rained the night that we were there. It was the only time it rained. So we didn't go do that. But the next morning, we went back and you do an organic hike for an organic breakfast. So we walked mm. around the garden then and you can pick stuff then as well. Um, anyway, we made this meal um, with this woman, Katie, who was the visiting chef for the week, mm. vegan meal um, that was to die for. Like, I cannot wait to rec- recreate some of the things that we made. Wow. Um, yeah, really, really good. I was, um, of course, she's so she's going around, it was like eight dishes. And she's like, okay, so whatever speaks to you, because you kind of all prep something. Uh-huh. And um, she's like, whatever speaks to you. And I was like, the kale salad. <laughs> I do not <laughs> want to be responsible for screwing something up, like where I have to cook, I have to blend, I have to do something. I can rinse and wash kale and cut it. I will I do can that. chop till the cows come home. I can, I'm really good at that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this woman, um, we just got into a conversation. And so, yeah, so, I mean, I had already, I mean, even last year, I was like, oh my gosh, our tribe would love this. I mean, it's definitely, you know, um, a little bit upscale for sure, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it is so 
amazing. So worth it. So amazing. Um, and you know, I just, I mean, you know, every time I'm like in a class, I'm like, Oh, our ladies would love this, you know, like a striptease <laughs> class or, a, um, I mean, they have a BOSU class. They have, um, a TRX training, they have trail running. They have, I mean, like I said, they just have everything. They have oh, a an swim. outdoor pool. Oh, the pool is, oh. they have three, three pools, three oh. pools. The, the, the activity pool um, is, I was just, yeah, I, you had to pull me out of it. Um, <laughs> and I took a, I took a deep water aerobics class, which oh, let me tell you, gosh. not easy. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. I was like, you put little floaters on your feet oh. and run in the water. It wow. was hard and gloves on your hands. So you've like webbed hands. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Even then, the woman was like, Dimity, it would be a lot easier if you use alternate, like, alternate art. We were, like, doing cross-country skiing. She's like, don't do left-left, do (laughs) (laughs) left-right. Yeah, this is why I stay with the dance classes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was was great. And then, then, of course, the downtime is really important, too. And that's that's the one – I mean, if I have any complaint about it, it's that – I mean, you get there and you get this – you get this schedule. And literally, they have classes from 9 in the morning until 4 at night. Um, and they do have or, yeah, classes uh-huh, that, uh-huh. that um, promote stillness, right? They have oh. meditation. Mm-hmm. They have this amazing sound healing class where they have those big bowls, you know, where mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. this really talented uh, yogi slash just amazing woman plays them and mm-hmm. tells a story. And, oh, um, so the one thing is that you can get really caught up in, in doing everything, sure. um, which is great. Um, but then you also need to spend some time just, um, you know, hanging out. And that's, and that's yeah. what I did more this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, I was a little bit like, um, you know, a kid in the candy store. <laughs> this year, I like um, spent some time. There's a, um, I'll just tell you everything that I have there. There's a, <laughs> um, a, a retreat, uh, a, a health center where they have like massages and all kinds of spa treatments, but they have a, um, a jacuzzi and a cold plunge right mm. next to each other. So mm did that um mm-hmm. a couple times they have an awesome library um and mm-hmm. i went there on monday and picked out i read the lost city of z have you heard of that book i have heard of it yeah uh-huh. it was really good oh my gosh it's like an amazon exploration um uh story written by a new yorker writer so just so good right um so i read a good some good books i just yeah i laid in a hammock i oh. walked the labyrinth they have an oh. amazing labyrinth oh. very um, cool yeah. So everything. I mean, it's so, so yeah. So we are, I mean, yeah, I, I, I came back. I think, yeah, we, I would love to pursue the idea of a retreat there. So, Who knows if it would work out or not, but, but we'll, uh, so I say, let's we'll give, give people, get, if people think that sounds appealing, uh, maybe like hashtag like 2019 RLP or something like for Rancho La Puerta. Oh, hashtag 2019. I like that. I yeah. like that. We could do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So striptease um, or hashtag striptease. That works too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> And for the record, you don't take off any clothes. For the record, yes. For the record, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Well, um, Dim, today is a big day, or should I say this evening is a big evening in the Carney family household. It is the opening, is going on? The opening of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my yep. gosh. Do you have flowers yet? Oh, I always, right. I'm like that. Oh, that's I'm right. always that parent who forgets. Okay, oh, Sarah, I am I'm your always, friend to yeah. help you remember. Yep, yep. I'm going to make a note of it. Um, so, and for both of them. So, uh, and I'm taking Ellison because she wants to show support for the kids. So, she and I got to drop the kids off way beforehand. And so, we'll drop them off and then go get grab dinner close by and then walk on over. Nice. So yes, and is Jack is, is Jack? He's so be we're we're going to alternate. So he's going to be working on the board, yeah. So uh, with a headlamp. Um. So I'm going tonight. He'll go tomorrow night. We're both going on Friday night because it is at a theater downtown, like a professional theater downtown. Oh, nice. Um. Yes, the Winningstad, which is hard to say theater. And then no shows Saturday. Oh, and our friend Will, the one I ran 20 miles with that time, um, the sure. father runner. Um, he's coming down to see them. Uh, he's kind of like an uncle to them. And then on Sunday, there's a matinee. And then uh, the final performance is on Sunday evening. Oh, my gosh. That is a lot of performances. Yeah. So I'm going to go tonight. Wait, is, 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 doesn't, isn't, aren't there, like, is he in every one? Is he? They're in every one? Oh, yes. Because despite having three Juliets and three Romeos and three nurses and that whole thing, they're all oh, on stage, on at, the stage at the same time. So, yes. Oh, yeah. And I want to make it clear that uh, it turns out that um, in the the Romeo and Juliet roles, there's, for each of them, there is one boy, one girl, and one non-binary student. So, um, and there, you know, I have... There are that many non-binary students at your school? You betcha. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and John's only complaint about the whole thing is that the one of the non-binary students isn't cannot remember their lines. And so, oh. so it really kind of irks him. So, um, so, but we, um, it's an, a little, it's about an hour long and there has been debate, you know, whether or not there will be a kiss. And, um, so I am in, tr- I have purposely not pressed John about it because I can tell he doesn't like to talk about it. And Daphne let something slip the other day and I pretended like I hadn't heard her. So like oh, she said it to me and I'm like, mom. no, 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 let's pretend you didn't say that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so, so how many, how many times are you going to go to every performance? No. So I'll go tonight, Friday night. And, um, I think Sunday night and then Jack will go tomorrow night, Friday night. And maybe I'll try to strong arm arm into going to the matinee. So they'll always be a parent at, at yes, a show. Just in case there's a meltdown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just, I mean, also I'm excited. Like, you know, what if there's like some, you know, delivers a line that, you know, brings down the house or something like, you know, cause that, that's oh, Shakespeare. That Shakespeare. Yeah, cause that's Shakespeare. Cause that's Shakespeare. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, make jo- put John in a Juliet role, and there could be some. some there, there comedy. could be some hilarity ensues. Yeah, yes, hilarity yes, ensues. Yes. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, um, and I have to say, I saw Jack and I saw a movie over the weekend. We saw uh, Murder on the Orient Express, which um, oh, was I a, didn't even heard of that. Oh, yo, big Kenneth Branagh remake of it. He stars as Hercule Poirot, um, and uh, my sister adored Agatha Christie novels. Like she devoured like pretty much every Agatha Christie novel there was. So I was very exposed to it as a child. And um, uh-huh. we saw the original movie that came out in 74. And so Jack and I had really high hopes for it and it did not live up to our high hopes. Oh, so, shoot. And, shoot. Um, well, good to know. Yeah. And Let's also um, way too m- the um, the scenes, the exterior scenes were way, seemed way too computer generated, like to the point oh. where it seemed like a Disney movie, which there's nothing wrong with a Disney movie. I love me some Moana, but you know, when you know it's a CGI, <laughs> that's one thing, yeah. but when, it, you know, it's theoretically supposed to be real. So, sure. mm, so yeah. I was, I was disappointed in it. So. Yeah. Well, so I saw, um, and now I'm blanking on the name of it, which is the first movie I've seen in a theater in so long. <laughs> what was the Billie Jean King movie? Oh, and Steve Carell, right. Emma had Stone. A, had a clever title. Alex, do you remember? Oh. Not Match, was it? No. Oh, gosh. Uh, Battle of the Sexes. Battle, Battle of the Sexes, Sexes yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. That was very, very good. They That's did what a I heard. really, really good job of recreating... Um, I mean, Billie Jean, their outfits, the um, the rackets, the whole. Uh-huh. And it was so interesting to hear her see. Well, so I heard her on Fresh Air um, prior to it coming out. Mm-hmm. She came and talked about it and all the pressures she had on her. And, like, you know, she started a, a women's tennis league, like, as this whole thing was going on. And there was another women's tennis league start. I mean, it was just a lot going oh, on yeah. in addition yeah. to this whole, you know, I mean, so that was just very, very good. Um, so I recommend that um, on a Netflix situation. I think it's probably moving to the cheaper theater soon. Right. Um, and then, um, and then wonder um, I got for my birthday, which was in May, um, Ben gave me, a $25 Fandango card, which oh. we have never used. Uh-huh. I know. He, and we have a whole day planned out. And he's like, Mom, it's been like three years since I gave you that card. And I'm like, well, no more like six months. But it has been a long time. So uh-huh. we are going to go see that. Um, well, not this weekend because I'm going to the Philadelphia Marathon. But um, maybe next Sunday. Um, I'm excited to see that. I love I love uh, the parents are Julia oh, Roberts. Oh, Julia Roberts. Owen Wilson. Uh, Wilson. Yeah, Owen Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I Julie love it. Oh, she's such a dear heart. I just read um yeah. uh article in Entertainment Weekly last night about how she um you know, read the book and three years after it came out and thought it would already be cast and all this stuff. So, um yeah, I'm excited to take the kids to that cuz my kids love that book. The twins love that book. So Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. So that's um that's next in my movie uh viewing you know, list in case anyone was wondering. So that'll be two this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dimity, two movies in one year. Oh, I, I think you, I think you can top that in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a PR. It's going to be a PR. <laughs> right. Uh, or go the other way. See if you can see no movies in 2018. Yeah. I think that also might be too easy to achieve. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so let's bring on our guest today, who is Mackenzie Havey, the author of Mindful Running has a super long subtitle how meditative running can improve performance and make you a happier more fulfilled person 
mother runner in Minneapolis. Mackenzie is a certified running coach, has completed training in mindfulness-based stress reduction, and has a master's degree in kinesiology. She's also a veteran of many marathons and an Ironman triathlon and a magazine writer. We'll talk with Mackenzie right after this break. Stay with us. Welcome, Mackenzie. We're so pleased you can join us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you here. Um, so before we dive into, you know, our very yogic meditative state, um, talk to us about your personal running background. Sure. Well, I've been running pretty much as long as I can remember. Uh, I grew up uh, going and watching the Twin Cities Marathon with my dad and Woo-hoo. early on kind of fell in love with with running. And um You know, my dad was a runner. He's been sidelined by injuries for years, but he always talked so fondly about his past running career and um, not really in a competitive way, but in just this way that, um, you know, that that running always just allowed him this sense of independence and freedom. And, you know, I think I I kind of had it instilled in me early on, Mm -hmm. uh, just the kind of value of the sport. So um, I ended up, doing cross country and track in high school and a little bit in college and then uh, started doing marathons after uh, uh, late in college and and have been doing doing those longer races ever since and I've done an Ironman and done done some other half Ironmans and uh, but running is really my first love and uh, it's definitely the the sport I'm focused on now especially now that I that I have a, a baby at home, um, triathlon is a bit more time consuming. Mm-hmm. So how many times have you done Twin Cities Marathon then? Cause we love that race. <laughs> it is, it's, it really, you know, I've done a lot of different marathons and I'm biased cause it's my hometown race, but, uh-huh. uh, it is my favorite marathon. I I've, I've done 14 marathons altogether, um, but I think probably about at least probably half of those were, were Twin Cities maybe. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we were we were just there last month, and oh, well, so, I, I met you, Mackenzie. Did were you not there, Sarah? Yeah, uh, right outside yeah. the Mill City Running. I love Minneapolis and mm-hmm. Mill City Running. Oh no, uh, I was I was um, chained to the booth. I mean, I was back at the expo. Uh. No, you know, <laughs> Mill City Running was right across from our booth. I was at the expo. <laughs> Oh. Yes, yes. Uh, no, no, I didn't. I, no, uh uh-uh. I, I, I gave a talk on the book uh, at the expo. So, uh, yeah, I did oh, run into oh, you there. Sorry to miss meeting you then. Um, she so, she looks as young in person as she sounds, by the way. But <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe I was like, yeah, whatever. Some high schooler, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so, Mackenzie, what got you interested in mindfulness-based stress reduction and the whole kind of mindfulness movement in general? Yeah, sure. Well, um, mindfulness was something I kind of discovered through running because partway into, you know, my marathoning career, I was running into a lot of injuries and overtraining and, um, you know, running was something that I did for, you know, good health and stress relief. And I found that it was really something that was starting to contribute to stress in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was really focused on running PRs or Boston qualifiers and even when I achieved those things I would um, you know just find something else to obsess about and some mm-hmm. other goal to to obsess about and and um, it, it it just really sucked the joy right out of running for me so I kind of got to a point where I was just kind of burned out and felt like I needed to reframe my approach to running and so that kind of came by way of mindfulness and I started to apply these ideas of like you know present moment awareness not not judging everything that every thought that came into my head or not comparing myself to other runners as much and really like engaging in the day-to-day process of of training more rather than you know having that one goal off in the far off in the future being the end all be all it was it was more kind of emphasizing the the day to day a little bit more and so that was kind of you know it was kind of a slow process it wasn't like just one day i decided to be a mindful runner it was kind mm-hmm. of you know over months and years and my my practice has kind of uh, evolved and um and now it's really become integral to my to my training, and uh, I feel like you know running has just be, become kind of about something bigger to me. Um, and I think it 
by by really being present and aware of the day-to-day miles, um, I think that kind of seeps into other areas of my life and has benefited me in a lot of ways beyond just, um, you know, enjoying running better, better and, um, and performing better because I think I just kind of have relaxed into the process of training more. And, um, and I still have goals and I still sign up for races. Um, it's just that I don't hold those traditional goals quite so tightly because, um, I found that when I was doing that, I was really, um, I was just trying to like force training through kind of that sheer force of will and just Mm -hmm. driving and striving and, and not ever really, um, you know, just having some, some grace with myself and my body and, um, knowing when to push and when to back off. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really interesting. Um, I love that you noticed that's what we say a lot is like running should relieve stress and not add stress to your life. Right. And um, I mean, I think you as a mother runner and a writer, um, you know, know, <laughs> and, you know, uh, what it's like. You, you have stress already in your world. Like running should be a release, not necessarily something that, yeah, it, it just shouldn't. It, right, yeah, right. And I down. think I, I, uh, I kind of gained a, a whole new appreciation for applying mindfulness to my training uh, when I was pregnant because, you know, it's so important to be listening to your body and um, knowing when you need to back off um, if you're going to, you know, exercise or run while you're pregnant. And and even even if you're not exercising, you know, obviously just really understanding your body and paying attention to if anything feels wrong or that kind of thing. And um, so I felt like I got this whole new kind of layer of understanding for mindfulness and body awareness and that kind of thing um, running through through my pregnancy. That's awesome. So so we'll get to the effect of mindfulness practice on running um, in a little bit, but first let's go to the bigger picture. The subtitle of your book promises that meditative running um, can make you a happier, more fulfilled person. That's a pretty big uh, promise. So do you have like some science or, I mean, you have a lot of science in your book, but I mean, what, how, when, when people say, how do you, you know, what numbers back that up? What do you, what do you do with that situation? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much research right now. One of the reasons why I think this was really timely for, for my book to come out now is because the, the research on mindfulness is really reaching a critical mass right now. And there's so much interest in it in popular media, but there's also a ton of interest in it in academia. Mm-hmm. And um, so the field of contemplative neuroscience is looking at the ways that meditation and in particular mindfulness meditation, how it can really change the, the structure and function of your brain and the influence that really has on, you know, your health and well-being. And, um, so there's there's just a, a ton of research to to look at, but um, you know, so you know, one of the big ones is that there's quite a bit of research on mindfulness and meditation and pain, and so think of you know pretty much any level of runners experiences some some amount of discomfort and pain you know there's the pain that's associated with injuries but then there's also just the pain of you know running up a hill or Mm -hmm. doing hard intervals or a tempo run um these don't feel good even if you're in great shape um so you know i really think that rather than we have this impulse to you know resist discomfort and kind of check out when we think something's not going to feel great and um, but what the research suggests is that um, when we can actually tune into that discomfort, it actually reduces its its intensity. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think a lot of times we think running hurts more than it does because we kind of let our minds just like go on autopilot and they tend to kind of catastrophize uh, feelings of discomfort, you know, in our legs or our lungs. Um, and of course, you know, like I, I said, that mindfulness can kind of help you hone better body awareness to know when maybe that pain really does signal an injury and you need to stop. Um, but but then in terms of just the the kind of happiness piece, there's there are also studies that show 
that mindfulness boosts, you know, self-confidence, can increase optimism, decrease anxiety. Um, and also people really, they report actually enjoying exercise more when they remain in the moment rather than, um, you know, kind of being disengaged. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's a lot of research out there that, that um, kind of shows why mindfulness, not just in running, but in, in other areas, why it might contribute to um, putting us in, you know, kind of a generally a better mood and helping us enjoy the things that are right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on the flip side, um, the research on mind wandering shows that, well, first of all, it suggests that our minds wander somewhere around like 50% of our waking hours, oh my gosh. Um, which is, you know, kind of crazy to think about that we're worrying about the future, ruminating about the past or planning for the future and not really paying attention to what's in front of us most of the half the time. And um, the the research, like they do MRI scans of their brains um, when they're mind wandering. And what they, what they find is that an area of the brain called the default mode network hmm. uh, lights up during during mind wandering when when our minds are technically like at rest um there's this area of the brain that lights up and and is actually very active and Mm. that that area of the brain is also associated with you know uh things like obsessive thinking and depressive thinking and um so and that that kind of plays out in other other more kind of anecdotal evidence that just suggests that when our our minds are wandering people do report feeling less happy and um that you know somehow evolution has caused us to have kind of a natural negativity bias when we let our minds kind of run unencumbered so Mackenzie, when you meet somebody say at like a block party or a you know baby and me class and that sort of thing and you mention the title of your book if they know nothing about mindfulness how do you define what mindful running is to that person Sure, that's a great question, um, and I think like w- one of the big things is, is understanding what mindfulness isn't, which is, mm. uh, you know, it's not about controlling your thoughts or quieting your mind. Um, I think that's the big one. I always hear people say like, "Oh, I could never, you know, meditate or, you know, maintain that mindful mindset because I just there's just too many thoughts going through my head." Um, but really, all mindfulness is 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 attention training. Um, it's it's a most kind of simply defined as um, non-judgmental present moment awareness. So all it all it is is about trying to kind of keep your focus on the present moment. Oftentimes, you'll have like I talk about in the book, like having an anchor, like your breath or your foot strike, and then um, every time you notice your mind has wandered to thinking about, you know, the future or worrying about things, you know, a conversation you just had or planning for something or whatever it may be that you notice that your mind has wandered and you bring it back to the present. And you just, um, the idea is to kind of do that over and over and over again. Um, It's like, you know, reps in the gym, like bicep curls, you know, every time you lift that weight, you know, slowly over time, you are strengthening that muscle. And with mindfulness, it's like, you know, these attention reps, every time you notice your mind has wandered, and you bring it back to the present moment, uh, you strengthen that that mental muscle. And that's really what the, the brain research actually shows that you know, that what neuroplasticity is all about, which is um, that we are actually able to kind of change the structure and functions of our brain just depending on how we uh, direct our attention and respond to things in our environment. And um, that that over time, you know, at, at first mindfulness can feel more challenging, but but after some practice, uh, it does become a bit more second nature. Yeah, that's I, that's, I guess that's um, really interesting that you compare it to weight training because I think that that's really a helpful um, comparison. But I also think it, what's hard is that it feels, it feels like it should be easy, right? I should be able to control what my mind thinks about, right? I mean, it's not like I'm trying to bench press 200 pounds. I'm just trying to 
in control this organ that's in my head, you know, all day long. I mean, it's, you know, it's been with me for my whole life. Right. And, and that, that is sometimes what's frustrating to me is when I try to go out and, and focus on my breath or focus on my footfalls is that I just get so frustrated that it's not easier, which I guess makes it more fulfilling when you actually do get it. But, um, you know, I mean, I, again, like just flash like meditation, like if I can stay focused for one breath in 20 minutes, like, oh my God, it's a good day. You know, like, so it's just like, yeah. it's just the, 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 the diminishing returns. I don't know exactly how to, to describe it, but sometimes it just feels, it feels very um, challenging, which I guess is, it makes it, I get, like I said, like when you get it, it feels lovely, right? Right, yeah, and it really is um, very challenging. And um, I mean, it's kind of, I, I think of it as being similar to to running when you've, taken some time off you know you you go weeks without having a run that really feels very good you know and uh you really have to like just kind of trust the process and just go out and get yourself out there every day and then you know four to six weeks out of regular running you know after you've taken time off um then it starts to you know you start to hit your stride and you'll actually find you have runs where you actually feel good and um and and uh you know training your mind is exactly the same way and that's what they they tell you in um the like like I've done mindfulness based stress reduction which is a a type of it's an eight week course um that's a real kind of intensive introduction to mindfulness and they tell you at the beginning just just don't question it just just do the meditation every day it's gonna feel hard you're gonna feel like you're bad at it and um but kind of just trust that if you put the time in it 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 will get easier but even the most practiced meditator you know has their mind wander I mean that's just human nature and um what it's all about is actually noticing that your mind has wandered. It's not eliminating the mind wandering. Mm. You are the sky. Everything else is just the weather, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, Okay. So we asked our tribe on Facebook for some questions. Um, So let's dive into those. Heather asks, what are some simple um, steps that busy moms can take to implement implement meditative running? So if you were to, again, like go back to that cocktail party and someone asks like, okay, so I want to do this, what what would you tell them to do? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the simplest things you can try if you just kind of want to get a sense for where your head's at is to just mindfully tie your running shoes you know this is just like a simple mundane activity that we all do and um, it's something most of us kind of do on autopilot don't really pay attention we're rushing through it and I think that's the way we approach a lot of things in life you know is that we rush through things and we're just trying to get it done and trying to check it off the list and that's you know, certainly how many of us approach our runs too. Um, mm. So by by mindfully tying your shoes, you kind of set the stage for maybe a little bit calmer, um, calmer run in general. But um, so the idea is just to, you know, put your put your foot in the shoe and actually pay attention to the fact that you're putting your shoes on. You know, how do the laces feel in your hands while you, you know, how does the shoe feel as it wraps around your foot? And it sounds kind of hokey, um, but this is just, you know, a simple exercise to start with. Um, I'm not saying you have to do this every day. Um, <laughs> and, you know, pay attention to your breathing while you're doing it. How does your body feel? Well, you know, just in general. Um, and an- another thing, uh, so in the book I talk about these like scanning exercises you can kind of do when, mm-hmm. um, as you get running, but, mm-hmm. um, just as an example, like a, a, a good one is to, you know, tune into your environment, you know, as you're taking those first steps, like engage your five senses, like what do you see, what do you hear, what do you smell and just kind of taking a, an inventory of what's around you and that's just kind of the idea is this like kind of open awareness so you're really um, tuned into everything that's going on around you and um, and and then in the book I talk about kind of how to do the same thing that inventory with with your mind and with your body too you know like head to toe how's your body feeling today um, so this is something that 
fortunately it doesn't take if you're already running it doesn't take any extra time out of your day you know it's just mm -hmm. about directing your attention in a different way uh, during something you're already doing and and that's why I think um, it can be appealing to people because I'm not saying you need to you know sit and meditate for 20 minutes a day or something like that this is just getting introduced to these ideas of mindfulness through something you're already doing and you know, not only can that help make your run perhaps more enjoyable, but also I think it can have some effects on, on performance too. Sure. So I just, I just want to get this out just because I feel like um, people are probably listening to this on a podcast on a run. So does mindful running, does it necessitate um, no music, no phone, no GPS? Like, is that, is that, is that understood or talk about that, the gadgets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's something we can totally discuss too. Um, so basically, I I don't I'm I don't subscribe to like never having um, music or podcasts. I know a lot of people do that, um, but I I would encourage people to you know try without a couple days a week. Okay. Um, and and I and I can explain that more. But you know the whole idea of of like multitasking um where our brains aren't real good at that <laughs> um so so yeah so i mean i think it's like maybe you intentionally choose you know a couple runs a week where you just like you're feeling real stressed and and uh by bringing mindfulness into those runs you can really actually like give your give your brain a bit of a break whereas i think when you tend to try to multitask, which is really what you're doing when you're running and listening to music or, or a podcast. Um, I think sometimes yeah, that can actually like lead to some tension. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we had a couple questions from um, people, uh, in particular, Andrea and Kathy, who um, Kathy was saying, my runs are already my calm me time. What suggestions do you have to be mindful on a run in an urban environment? And and Andrea was saying like you know with stoplights and moving cars and you know you know sidewalks and you know there's a, there's a lot going on in an urban environment versus you know trail running or being out amongst you know a, a, you know a coastal run or in a cornfield or something like that. Yeah, I mean getting into that kind of meditative state is definitely easier, you know, when you're in a beautiful natural place. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, I had someone ask me like, aren't you worried, you know, if you're, if you're mindfully running that you'll get hit by a car. And, um, and so the way I explain that is, is that this isn't about zoning out, you know, it's mm -hmm. about zoning in. So I would actually argue you're probably more you know, aware of your surroundings and probably safer if you're um, really paying attention rather than completely tuning out from your environment. So I mm -hmm. think, you know, any run can be vivid and interesting regardless of where you're at. I mean, think of, you know, if you're running through Central Park and all the like sights and sounds and colors and people and things going on around you. And it's easy to just, you know, throw on your headphones and zone out during that time and so and, and I, I'm you know not that there's anything wrong with listening to music either but um, I think sometimes you, you miss out on a lot of kind of joy inducing sights and sounds and um, so, so I do think you can mindfully run really about anywhere and I think you know, there's there's no one right way to do this either, you know, and so I think you really have to make your own mindful running practice your own and uh, work with whatever surroundings you have. I I, I run in the city and, um, but, you know, I'm able to get to trails pretty close by, so I can, I can uh, you know, not worry about traffic quite as much then, but uh, I, you know, pretty much every day I'm running through stoplights and um, and amidst traffic, and I think um, you know you can still definitely use these ideas in those settings as well. Well, I also th yeah, I think. Go so. ahead, Sarah. Oh, I was going to say that sometimes when I um, am stopped at light or something, I'll try to you know like stare down at the puddle that's near me or like mm. you know look at an interesting pattern of leaves, you know that sort of thing. So would that kind of count as still sort of being 
mind mindful that I'm not oh, just yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely like I mean you know this idea of you know engaging your senses so you know you whatever you run by the the local deli down the street and you really actually notice those those smells and that's like you know kind of a pleasant experience or mm-hmm. you know that and and you'll notice things that are probably less pleasant like the garbage <laughs> truck going by or whatever but um but I mean I I think that it, it, the alternative is to be totally checked out. And mm-hmm. um, I just think there's, a, you know, it just can make a run a lot more interesting. And I think a lot of people think running is so boring, but a lot of times I think that boredom is connected to the fact that they're just disengaging and just letting their minds wander. And so mm-hmm. I think when you actually tune into your surroundings, whether you're running on a trail through a forest or you're running through a busy urban setting you know and and um paying attention to your body i mean how how kind of amazing it is um that you're able to go out and and put one foot in front of the other for a number of miles you know appreciating that i think we just overlook a lot of those things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so so let's talk about um the you know mental monkeys or whatever what what do you call them there's there's so many different words yeah, the the monkey the mind. Monkey mind. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a popular yes, one for it sure. Is, it is. Um, or stinking thinking. Didn't um, mm-hmm. Sarah, you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so so Emily's asking about um, you know running is my time to clear my head of negative thoughts, but sometimes they're overpowering. How can I change my negative thoughts into positive thoughts quicker during my run, especially if I only have a short amount of time? So. I mean, this is kind of a thousand dollar question or maybe more like mm-hmm. a six million dollar question. But I mean, yeah, how do you how I mean, are there do you just say stop or do you say just notice that you're thinking it and then go back to your breath? Or what, what do you recommend for something like that? Yeah, well, that's why I think mindfulness kind of offers a, an alternative to some of the um, more traditional like cognitive behavioral approaches in sports psychology, which are, you know, that stop stop. Uh, thought stopping excuse me or um you know just kind of trying to smother the negative thoughts with positive thinking and I think what they're finding is that isn't really all that effective and that's never worked very well for me it feels really artificial to me I have to say you know because Mm -hmm. you're like okay no I'm not really feeling that I'm like yes I really am feeling that (laughs) as much as I say oh Jimmy you're doing well like my legs are still on fire you know so um Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I I agree I think it's a little bit of a band-aid sometimes right exactly and so what mindfulness is all about is actually tuning into those negative thoughts and noticing them and so um you'll hear a lot like in the mindfulness literature they call it affect labeling and what it is is just when you notice a thought in your head, you label it, and then you return to the kind of the present, your breath or your your footfall or whatever it may be, um, something in your environment you want to pay attention to. Um, so it's about, so you notice the thought in your head, you can say like worrying or, you know, label it anxiety. And so it's about kind of taking this like objective view of the thoughts in your head and a lot of times you'll hear like the idea of um, standing on a roadside and you're, you know, say your thoughts are the cars and you don't chase after these cars. You just, you huh. know, you notice them. And so it's about acknowledging and accepting that you have, you know, some negative thoughts. And that's where the non judgmental piece comes in too, like not judging yourself or getting down on yourself for having the negative thoughts because that's just really going to make it worse, you know. And, um, and, you know, that shows that what the research shows is really that, that mindful people tend to have better coping skills when it comes to, you know, stress and negative thinking. They're able to be more resilient, kind of bounce back when those thoughts mm-hmm. come into their head because you're not wasting all this energy trying to, like, resist them and push them away and, and fight the negative thinking. You're um, just acknowledging it. Yes, you know. I'm having these thoughts, I'm getting down on myself, I'm comparing myself to other runners or to, you know, how the shape I used to be in or whatever it may be. And um, and I think that, you know, that there's a lot of evidence to show that the more we try to suppress negative emotions, um, 
actually even in athletics that it, it leads to higher levels of perceived exertion and poorer performances too. So, you know, the, the suppressing those thoughts actually makes us think about them more. So it's better to just acknowledge that we have them and then try to redirect. And every time you, you have the thought, label it and redirect. I got to say, I love that analogy of uh, thinking of yourself as standing there watching cars mm-hmm. passing by and, and not chasing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I also like the other one I like is, um, you know, that you're you're not going to invite every person that knocks at your front door. You're not going to invite them in to sit down to dinner with you. So you think <laughs> about like, you know, like think of thoughts as those people knocking at your door that you're going to get, you know, salesmen and that kind of thing where you'll open the door, you know, be courteous, say hi, and then say, go away. And uh <laughs> shut the door go back to what you were doing and uh Mm -hmm. so i think that's another good one that you don't need to invite every thought to dinner and entertain it yeah i Mm -hmm. love that Mm -hmm. i love that well and i think it's also important to realize that everybody has those thoughts i mean Mm. and that's not that's not a sign of weakness kara goucher has those thoughts shalane flanagan Mm -hmm. had those thoughts in new york city marathon like and i think that that's because sometimes i think like especially really talented runners make it look so easy that you somehow can convince yourself that they aren't hurting as much as you are, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we all hurt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like you said, everybody hurts, whether you're a beginner runner or, you know, the top, top, top. And, um, and so just realizing that they're going to come and yeah, label it. Oh, that's interesting that I'm thinking that today. All right. See ya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, that's seriously, like, it's pretty Shows much that door. simple, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it does like, that's why it sounds so ridiculously simple too and and so but it's quite profound like once you start doing it um and and with some regularity what a difference it can make for your mindset because um you know you you find that it reduces you know tenfold how many negative thoughts you have because you're not jumping down the rabbit hole of anxiety every time you have one negative thought that leads to another and another you're just kind of acknowledging the first one and then redirecting rather than chasing it chasing after it every time you you have some some thought that you don't feel good about So I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, Mackenzie, which is this notion of getting comfortable with pain and discomfort during a hard workout or a race. Um, I know it's something I struggled with before um, the marathon that ended up being my PR marathon, but that um, could you kind of talk a little bit more about, um, you know, how to embrace it, how to approach it with your, you know, mindfully? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I think um, you can use that labeling technique. So say you're, you're, uh, you know, doing a hill workout and you're running up the hill and you, you can kind of label like, you know, burning quads or burning lungs or whatever it may be. And, and um, by, by just acknowledging the hurt, uh, mm-hmm. you, you take that objective stance. And um, another big part of mindfulness is just being kind of curious about what's going on in the present, whether it's, you know, in your body or your environment and um, or your mind. And so just kind of bringing this mind of curiosity to those sensations and um, mindfulness definitely has been shown to increase body awareness. And so um and it sounds counterintuitive that actually like acknowledging these uncomfortable sensations can actually uh, reduce their power. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but really that's, that's what the research shows. Like they'll, they'll do studies where they put like a heat probe on people's skin and Mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to measure pain. And um, so like one of those studies out of Harvard, I believe and it was, it showed that, four sessions of 20 minutes a day of mindfulness training, just four sessions, uh, reduced people's pain intensity ratings by like 40, 40%, which wow. is, you know, more than even like the average, like opioid pain medication would. So, mm-hmm. um, they're, you know, and that's where they're using it in medicine a lot right now, especially with, um, the opioid epidemic and, and, mm-hmm. um, but it can also be used in these other areas of our lives where there's discomfort. Um, and so acknowledging that, that those physical sensations and then, you know, again, just bringing it back to your breath. And um, it, again, it sounds so simple, um, but over time it can actually change the way you relate to discomfort. And so at first it might feel kind of weird 
tuning into the discomfort, but, but over time it helps you actually like accept it. Whereas the alternative, when we're kind of like half disengaged mentally, we kind of like half notice the, the uncomfortable sensations of an interval or running up a hill or that final push in a race. And we, we, uh, and then we attach all these like emotions to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think like, yeah, pain is like this two headed monster. Like there's the physical sensations, but then there are the, the emotions that we put on to those sensations. And so instead of just saying like, wow, my, my quads are burning and then, you know, my lungs really are hurting as I'm going up this hill and, you know, taking that objective stance so often we're like, oh my gosh, my my legs are killing me. I'm never going to make it up this hill. Like I'm not going to be ready for the race. And then my, mm-hmm. you know, I put all this time into training and my family's going to be so disappointed and I'm so embarrassed. And, you know, you like mm-hmm. this cascade of emotions that follow mm-hmm. those physical sensations. So I think if we can just call out the sensations for what they are and not attach all these thoughts and emotions, it, it actually reduces their intensity. That's awesome. The other thing that I think about with that, um, you know, with the pain and the discomfort is, you know, especially when you're um, doing, you know, like that last mile of a half marathon or, you know, the last 800 of a hard workout, um, it's supposed to hurt. And that that's good. That means that you're doing what you came out to do. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if mm-hmm. you know, if you want to walk it in for the last mile, well, it's not going to hurt, but you're not going to get what you came for, you know? <laughs> and so I think it's really, I mean, honestly, like just saying like, sweet, I am pushing myself and that's because yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to give it everything I have, you know? And that means that I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not walking it in. I'm not mailing it in. I'm actually here to perform, you know? And, right. Right. I mean, and I, th- I- it can make some level of discomfort like you actually welcome it you know like and that's pretty cool to get to that point yeah yeah i mean you know it it depends upon what situation you're in but there are i mean doing a lot of the um the perform like a mother stuff which we were doing some mental fitness kind of mental toughness stuff and that you know that thing that keeps coming up like you know invite that feeling in when it's appropriate Mm. because that means you're actually making progress and and kicking some ass you know right and i and i like the approach of just being like, well, this is like, this is a good thing. And, and, and just acknowledging that this is what you came for. And, um, this is just part of the process. Um, rather than, I think sometimes the, the mental toughness is about like, just kind of ramming through, you know, and, um, a lot of times that doesn't work for people. So yeah, really acknowledging that, yes, this is uncomfortable, but this is how it's supposed to feel. And on the flip side, when, you know, the discomfort maybe actually signals like an injury or overtraining or something, mindfulness can really help you tap into like, when you are to that point and you need to back yeah, off. I'm obviously not advocating that, but it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting to, um, you mm-hmm. know, it's just a flip side of it because I wish it away. I mean, I used to wish it away mm-hmm. a ton. Like I just want it to be over. Mm-hmm. I just want it to be over. I just want it to be over. And then all of a sudden, if you're just like, wow, I can do this. I get to do this. It's very, uh, it helps, it helps frame things differently. Not all the time. It doesn't work mm-hmm. all the time, but it definitely helps some. Yeah, and, and you make a good point because, like, uh, something I talk about in the book, um, that's a big part of mindfulness is, like, the gratitude piece and just being, yeah, the, like, I actually, my body can do this and um, being being grateful that, that you're able to push your body and, and knowing that, you know, pushing it every little, you know, inch by inch is making making you better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. So, so I say we, we end on that note because I think we could keep asking. I know, I know. Like, let's just turn this into a big, you know, this will just be a big meditative <laughs> session. Um, but yeah, Sarah, what do you want to, what do you want to end with? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, um, Mackenzie, if there was kind of one takeaway that you want people to be thinking about or, you know, yeah. being mindful of on their next run, what would it be? Well, I think, I think the big takeaway from the book that I really hope, cause, um, you know, mindful running isn't about just boosting performance. I think that's like a byproduct of of running more mindfully and enjoying the process more. But the the big thing I hope that people get out of it is that they learn these principles of mindfulness through their running, and and then that kind of uh, finds its way into other areas of your life. Because I've really found that 
you know, practicing this stuff through my running, now I mindfully relate to things in my environment, my body, my mind, um, when I'm doing other things. So I think it's made me, you know, a more, a more patient mom and just more calm and able to just, uh, enjoy just the kind of seemingly mundane Mm -hmm. parts of, you know, being with my daughter. And I think it's allowed me to be more focused in my writing and to, to not, you know, jump after every single distraction that that comes on my screen. Um, and so I really hope that it can uh, help people in other ways that are maybe bigger and more profound than just, you know, making your running more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll take them all. <laughs> Let's catch them all in that <laughs> net, right? That's right. <laughs> and I, I guess I, one thing I wanted, and this is, I realize I'm kind of, this is a PS, but I mean, I think it's important to realize that, you know, if you go out for a 45 minute run and correct me if I'm wrong, Mackenzie, but say you're going to go run for 45 minutes, like you're not going to be mindful for that full 45 minutes, especially starting out. Like give yourself, you know, I'm going to try for this mile or these next hundred steps to concentrate to, to count to a hundred and only think about my foot strikes or whatever, like, right. Just like little pieces, right. It's kind of how you yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, like if you want to go out and maybe try for a mile or for the first 10 minutes or something, because, um, you know, in, in, in understanding that it will feel hard at first, but um, what the brain research shows is that, you know, you really can change the, the way you relate to things and kind of your mode of operation and of thinking uh, with some practice. So like maybe 10 minutes feels really hard at first, but you do it for a few months and then pretty soon, you know, you're out going on a 30 minute run and you feel pretty present most of the time. Um, and like I said, too, it's not about 100% of the time being in the moment, but but it's about just notice not going for, you know, 45 minutes and having your mind wandering that whole time without even noticing. So, yeah, yeah, but I do think, yeah, you don't, you know, just, so don't get discouraged if it feels hard at first. And yes, you can, you know, you can go out for five minutes and just devote the first five minutes to trying to, to be more mindful. So, um, you can really make it your own. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Mackenzie. Thank you. I hope the recording is okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Hope and hope to um, meet you next year at Twin Cities. Awesome. That would be yeah. That would be great. Okay, so I have two questions for you. Mm-hmm. The first one, and this is so funny because she brought it up. Um, what did your last run taste like? Because mm. you're such a you're such a um, sensory a tongue sensory person. <laughs> is that is that because <laughs> I like thing? food? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're also you're also really in tune with flavors, right? Oh. That's, that's I think when I think of you, I think of like, oh, oh you love to, oh my gosh, you love to dissect flavors. <laughs> Don't this is not a surprise to you, is it? Um, I'm surprised that you frame it in that way. I'm I'm flattered. You might not mean it as flattery, but I'm taking no, no, it as no, a nice thing to say. Because yeah. I don't, I couldn't do that to save my life. I mean, I could be drinking coconut and lime water, and I would be like, mm, "What's that flavor?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I detect some orange in there, like you know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say it had a um a certain minerality to it. It had a, a kind of like um licking um some aluminum um uh-huh. know, kind of metal because it, it was cold and dark it was right? cold dark rainy gray sky it definitely had but but you but you know like the whole time she was talking i was looking we have um, a maple tree outside the window that i look out during the podcast and i just was really trying to really commune with the the red the red of the leaves yeah the red of the leaves iron maybe it's iron I, you know that you yeah. know did you take liquid iron these days still um i don't i don't know oh. i uh, no i take a multivitamin yeah have you ever taken liquid iron? I have not. No. Ah, that is a taste that you will not forget. That's one I, I could easily discern. That's about the only that and chocolate. Um, but uh, yeah, it tastes like yeah, it tastes like what you would think metallic iron would taste yeah. like. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, and then what was your second question? Well, my second one is I think she should put together. Do you or do you think I, I should frame it as a question? Um, do a post for the site just with some specific tips on oh. how to really, um, you know, like the tying your shoe thing. I thought was really helpful, and just a couple really detailed things about how moms can do something like that on a run oh, just kind of I think that's a find, great idea find some mindfulness yeah yeah I think that's a great idea yeah particularly going into the holiday season and the chaos of that and yeah that's a great yeah. idea yeah yeah let's make Sprinkles. that happen yeah put a sprinkle on it okay <laughs> all right all right well, and then what are we, now what are we talking about we're, we're moving over to the train like a mother club 
Oh, we are. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of, um, you know, not being mindful and thinking about next year planning future. <laughs> okay. We can just, we're going to deviate for a minute from where our feet are yeah. um, and talk about um, some year end planning webinars that mm -hmm. we are doing. Um, we did these last year and they were so fun and so successful. And I think people really got a lot out of them and we're going to do another round of them this year. Not as many, um, just for uh, simple energy preservation purposes, because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> I'll be living on iron and M&Ms. Um, so, um, so we're doing a full week of them though. That goes from December 11th to the 15th. And what we're doing is each day there is a program, a Train Like a Mother Club program and the, and the coordinating coaches that will be on a webinar. So um, we've got one for people who want to be new to heart rate training mm -hmm. or, or want to try heart rate training and they're new to it. Mm -hmm. um, we'll have a triathlon one. We're going to have an ultra one. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have the traditional running one with Coach Amanda, who's one of your co-hosts. Mm -hmm. And then people who are um, experienced heart rate trainers. So mm -hmm. we have two heart rate because one is for people who want to try it for the first time. Um, one is for people who are either in the midst of it or want to come back to it and already kind of know the basics. Yeah. Um, and they are in the middle of the day. Um, they're mostly around like noon mountain time, which I know um, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't cement it for many people. That would be two Eastern time or 11 Pacific time. Um, but you can record them um, or we record them and then you can watch them as a video later. Um, we can also take questions earlier. Um, so anyway, uh, there are a lot of details about it on the Train Like a Mother Club site. Go, so go to trainlikeamother.club. It's the front page now. You can register. They're all free. Mm -hmm. There's no um, commitment. So mm -hmm. if you want to come in and talk to Coach Stephanie about your ultra ambitions and then realize that, hey, maybe this isn't the year for me to do it, you know, it's not like we're going to chase you around the internet being like, yeah. come, come, do your 50 miler, you know. So it's just more of a chance for you to unpack your goals, your ambitions, your injuries, your issues, whatever you have going on, um, talk to the coach and get some get some personalized recommendations on what feels good for you in 2018. Yeah, and hear what other people, right? Get Hear what their experiences are, right? Oh, you sure, yeah, yeah, questions. it's definitely a team situation. Yeah, yeah. Lots, of, uh, lots of, you know, sometimes hearing it from someone else say it helps right. kind of crystallize what you want or what you, couldn't put your finger on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So again, uh, for details and to register, go to trainlikeamother.club. So yep. our, our podcast is a member of the ACAST network and our show today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy mindful miles. Mindful. Very good. Be where your feet are, ladies. <laughs> <laughs>